If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to an emergency edition of the Mini Break Podcast here. Obviously, the breaking news, Novak Djokovic's visa denied in Australia. He will not, as of now, be participating in the 2022 Australian Open, of course, what a year this day has been. It started out less than 48 hours ago. It felt like we learned Novak Djokovic would be playing in the Australian Open. He sends out the tweet. He's headed down to Australia, had been granted a medical exemption into the tournament. Turns out that's not the case. He arrives in Australia early Wednesday morning, spends a day being, for lack of a better term, interrogated by Australian uh, border police, making sure, again, everything was up to snuff. We talked about this in a mini break podcast at length all of you listeners can find on our website crackrackets.com or on the mini break podcast feed wherever you listen to your podcast but to respond to this latest development is the man who joined me on that podcast to break it all down now we will summarize it again here but let me introduce him you know him as the editorial producer for tennis.com for tennis channel i know him it's my friend david kane David, welcome back to the show. We both had wardrobe changes since we last recorded, but I missed you. It was a long hour, and honestly, so much unfolded in this freaking hour. Your I, thoughts? I know so many memes, costume yeah. changes. I had a welcome to the welcome to the stage shirt on earlier. This is a reading is fundamental, which is sort of a nod to maybe sort of the the clerical errors that might have taken place on uh, Novak Djokovic's journey to Australia. But I'm glad to be with you live on what I assume is the Patreon exclusive feed. You know, I I'm, I'll have my Venmo. That's open. above my pay grade. Whether we're Patreon excuse, exclusive, YouTube exclusive, it's still good to see your smiling face. Always good to show off the talents of super producer Daniel Westoff as well. But again, we can get right into it. The latest development in this Novak. Jokovic scandal, and you may see me looking down at my phone. I want to get this right. This is recorded from Oliver Brown, chief sports writer at The Telegraph, who says Greg Hunt, Australia's health minister, confirms Djokovic has failed to provide appropriate standards of proof to enter the country and that he will be sent home. Of course, for those of you curious, again, what is the circumstance surrounding for uh, those of you who don't know, there was a vaccine requirement to play the 2022 Australian Open. Now we have seen other players, Natalia Vikliolinseva, I butchered it. You can get the name correctly. You can correct me there. Russian female player denied entry into the event. She had received the Sputnik vaccine. That was not one of the approved vaccines. Therefore, she was not granted entry. If you're talking about a fellow unvaccinated player, you can turn to Tennis Sandgren. He was also not granted entry. Those are two examples of the Australian government staying firm to the principles that they had stuck with throughout this pandemic. Now, seemingly an exemption had been made for Novak Djokovic. He arrived in Australia under the assumption that it would be. David, that is no longer the case. Correct my pronunciation, please, and your response to all of this. That would be Natalia Vikliantseva. Natalia Vikliantseva, who was who took the Sputnik V vaccine. I think in the previous podcast, I erroneously referred to it as Sputnik V. The V sure. was in fact short for victory 
over COVID. Uh, unfortunately, no victory, no victory for Viklianseva in this in this journey. Unfortunately, but for for Djokovic, yeah, it seemed as the time ticked by today on Wednesday, Thursday morning Australia time, it, it did appear less and less likely that Djokovic was going to receive uh, the visa exemption on top of the vaccine exemption that he had previously received. It has been a wild. 48 hours, I think of that um, that video from Beverly Hills Housewives of Kyle Richards saying, we were all so happy that day when we found out that Djokovic had been given the exemption. I don't know if everyone, everyone was happy. A lot of people were confused and maybe a little surprised that this, this exemption had come through. And it's hard to believe how quickly things, how horrible things would soon become for, for Djokovic and his team having arrived in Australia amidst a firestorm of media, political back- backlash, um, being isolated and uh, interviewed by border control agents for something like five hours. Uh, Djokovic's father was uh, convening with different members of the media, you know, calling it an assault on his his freedom and, and calling for people to riot in the streets in, in response to this uh, treatment of Djokovic. And then um, eventually the news came out that his visa had been rejected and he had indeed failed to provide sufficient um proof that he had, um, that he qualified for an exemption, just a, a wild 48 hours that doesn't even feel over because there are reports that his lawyers uh, representing Djokovic will appeal this decision. Who knows if he'll fly back to either Serbia or Spain and end up flying back to Australia in time for the tournament. There is, there's certainly time for, for another flight to Australia, but just a, a wild 48 hours all told. Yeah, no, again, to your point there, it, it has been reported that his lawyers will be appealing in Victorian courts to try and again, get over the ruling We'll talk about it from a tennis perspective momentarily, but David, I don't think this is a fight that's going away. And again, I know we talked about this when we last spoke uh, in the long version of this podcast, which again, all of you should go listen to on the mini break podcast feed. You'll be able to find it on our website, Crack Rackets as well uh, for the full version, but to just hit the bullet points here, you know, again, this is not going to be the only country with a vaccine requirement. President Macron in France has talked openly about the stringent requirements that will be put on people who are unvaccinated. And in the UK, in the United States, there are certainly going to be questions surrounding those events. Who's going to be allowed to play them now? There haven't been vaccine mandates from either the ATP or WTA yet. It's been reported both tours, top 100 players, over 90% vaccinated. This is certainly the most prominent example of an unvaccinated player. And we talked about this, but it's worth mentioning how much of this response, this confusion is a byproduct of the way Djokovic has responded to this pandemic? How much of it is a percentage of just the way the tours and the uncertainty, the gray area that exists? I mean, I think it's not great that there was a gray area. I mean, there was sort of a shady source from Tennis Australia that seemed to imply that this was a Djokovic-specific witch hunt and that there are players who were exempted, who did make it through. And I would imagine that those who were exempted were given the six-month leeway for having caught COVID in the last six months and therefore could not take the COVID-19 vaccine. As we as we all know, the COVID vaccine has not been around that long, so it is plausible that there are still some stragglers who had not gotten vaccinated, got COVID, as we know, as we like to go back to Irina Sabalenka, among them who did receive um, the COVID vaccine after coming down with COVID and pulling out of Indian Wells and but made sure she was vaccinated in time for Australia. So I think as we move forward and there's less and less of an excuse to not be vaccinated, I mean, Granted, with the Omicron variant, there are more and more possible breakthrough cases or possible just cases in general. Cases are through the roof, particularly among those who are unvaccinated and hospitalizations as well. But I think it's I think it does speak to 
Djokovic, the reaction is very much Djokovic specific because he is the one who announced after much coyness and much quietness over, over whether he would even play Australia that he would play and he had been given an exemption which confirmed that he was as yet unvaccinated and I think that's really where all of the the furor came from that nobody knew how he qualified to be vaccinated was it a six-month window I mean the fact that he wasn't able to provide um, proof or sufficient proof in the moment may cast some doubt on whether he did in fact uh, suffer from COVID in the last six months. We know he suffered from it in 2020. Maybe was it a situation where the same people who misread the visa requirements also misread the fact that a previous infection did not cover the time frame in which he originally caught it in 2020. So again, all told, it's just a, a wacky development from a player who is the number one player in the world, a 20-time Grand Slam champion. You would expect just a bit more... Um, stability around all these kinds of decisions and planning that this would have kind of gone through without a hitch. They probably didn't expect the reaction, but even in spite of the reaction, if this was a seamless process, it shouldn't have taken the twists and turns that it ended up taking. Yeah, it's all fair points by you. And you know, we're getting the question from Thomas Price, is there any chance Novak Djokovic will play? There is the slightest of chances that the Victorian courts overrule this decision, that they grant him entry. It is extraordinarily unlikely. Right now, if you are a tennis fan, you should not expect Novak Djokovic to be in the main draw of the 2022 Australian Open Men's Singles event. And again, I do want to talk about the tennis perspective of that. To your point, the obvious solution here, and yes, as we're getting the response, his lawyers have launched an appeal. We won't know, uh, you know, and lodged an appeal. We don't know the outcome of that. I'm sure it will be expedited to find out that outcome as sure as possible. But it is just, a, it's again, the, the most simple solution would be to get vaccinated. Let's be perfectly clear on that. And that would solve all of these problems moving forward. But again, as long as he is not going to do that, and for other players who are unvaccinated as well, this is going to be a continuing story, I imagine, at events throughout the course of the year. With that said, let's talk about the tennis perspective. Obviously, on the men's side, that it's Rafa, no Federer, no Djokovic, but Rafa is the only member of the big three in the Australian Open. And Andy Murray, who was once given a retirement video at the Australian Open, he's now <laughs> back in the main draw as well. Rafa more so than Andy, obviously factoring into perhaps the favorites entering this event. And you want to look over at Tennis Abstract. I believe Rafa's got the third or fourth highest percentage chance to win this event according to the numbers. Uh, that said, you look at the numbers, Medvedev, Zverev, their recent hardcourt results. They're the two prohibitive favorites. Medvedev slightly over Zverev right now. I imagine that's where you're at as well. I mean, it would certainly be wacky. Talk about wacky. If a year after Djokovic finally wins his second French Open, that Rafael Nadal somehow manages to win his second Australian Open. It would be many... magnificent. It's yeah. what we deserve as tennis fans as the pivot here. It never really, I mean, obviously Djokovic's sheer dominance over this particular tournament explains a bit of why Nadal has not won as many Australian Opens, but you would think this, if not the, the French Open, would be one of the tournaments to most favor the Spaniard because it was it would start at the beginning of the year when he'd be at his freshest. I mean, he's he's had injuries at this tournament, most you know, most famously in the final in 2014 against Stan Wawrinka. I know men's tennis, um, but going down the line, I mean, you have to look at Daniel Medvedev based on how he's performed on hard courts for the last two years. Plus, just a phenomenal hard court player recent Grand Slam champion at the US Open seems in good shape and good spirits. He's the one I'd be looking for to really clean up um, in Djokovic's absence. He was the runner up last year at the Australian Open and was really playing dominant tennis. I remember at the time, it really felt like it was going to be one of those clash of the Titans sort of matches and Djokovic really had his way with Medvedev in that final, you know, 
Medvedev got his revenge, obviously, at the U.S. Open, and without uh, Djokovic there, certainly paves the way that much more for the Russian to do it. And obviously, you mentioned um, Alexander Zverev as well, certainly an opportunity for him to finally prove himself in a best-of-five format. But yeah, I think in many ways, the way that tennis is trending towards this younger generation does the overall quality of tennis suffer with without Djokovic in the field? Probably not. We lose that historical element, perhaps. I mean, there's still Rafa Nadal who could potentially upset the apple cart entirely and be the first one to 21 of the three after it seemed like Djokovic with a bullet would 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 hit that milestone first. But yeah, I don't. I think we're still in for an exciting fortnight of tennis, no matter what. I think we all remember the 2020 U.S. Open. How strange things got after Djokovic was defaulted out of the tournament, and some of those semifinal matches, the Zverev PCB one in particular, was atrocious. And certainly, we don't want to see that quality of tennis. At the same time, how exciting is it to say, you know, a who will the quarterfinalists be? Yeah, there are a couple of guys, maybe you circle, but there's no one you put in firmly pen like maybe Medvedev, maybe Zverev, but outside of those two feels like anyone could beat anyone in this three out of five set format. And I do think that element, you know, I, I think that intrigue, that suspense is going to be a new development in tennis, something we haven't experienced the past decade. And I think it's going to take a second, but eventually fans will enjoy that aspect of the sport. And yeah, I, it's going to be, certainly, I don't think the tennis is, I mean, of course, any, any tournament inherently suffers when you don't have the world number one defending champion in the draw. And yeah, everyone's watching for that chase for that 21st grand slam. There's no denying that. And it's always funny to me when we're at an Australian open, you think back to the Nadal Federer final, Nadal beats Federer, Federer's in tears. This era is purportedly ending now. And it's like, ah, a decade later, we're still exactly where we were. But it's a fascinating thought. And again, I don't want to keep you for too long here. We've done the full version of this conversation. You can hear it again on a mini break podcast feed today, which you can also find on our website, crackrackets.com. But your final thoughts on this saga, you know, where we go next from here. Just to jump off on your point. I mean, we talked a little bit about how off-court tennis news has really dominated the on-court tennis news. In a strange twist, I mean, granted, Djokovic will cast a large shadow over this tournament if he is not present, especially given the way that he seemingly has exited the country or will exit the country. But at the same time, what there is no easier way to establish new stars than for new stars to continue to win and start winning big tournaments. And without Djokovic there, with Rafa not at full strength and Federer not there, it increases the likelihood that that there is another star born out of this. You know, we could potentially have two-time Grand Slam champion Daniel Medvedev, a potential first-time Grand Slam champion when you look at a Zverev or even, you know, a uh, Matteo Berrettini or a, even a Casper Ruud who loves hard courts and really or finished the year on a Sinner high. Or, or a Yannick Carlos Sinner. Alcaraz. That's a storyline just waiting to burst. Maybe one okay. of these Americans get lucky. A Taylor All, Fritz. I mean, if it's an American... Play. And, and this is sort of not, not it's, it's not perfect in that sense, sure. but it is sort of perfect in the sense where all eyes will be on this tournament in many ways, especially at the beginning of it, because you're going to have a lot of people drawn to this tournament in the wake of all this crazy news. How will they respond to it? Who will, who will fans lock into as sort of their new prohibitive favorites in the absence of, of, of a Novak Djokovic? I think it's going to be a very crazy and fun and entertaining and dramatic two weeks, no matter what happens uh, with the Djokovic saga, but all told with Djokovic, we still don't know the full story. And I don't think we'll know the full story until he tells us or um, someone with all the information is able to tell us what the exact situation is. It feels uh, improper to speculate, but in the same time, Djokovic has put us in that position where because we don't know the, all the information, people want answers and we feel we have to do what we can with, with the information that we've been given to, to answer some of those questions. But until he speaks out and 
tells his truth, uh, why this all happened the way it is, we're pretty much as much in the dark as you guys are, but hopefully not for much longer. Absolutely. And obviously the Australian Open is a tournament he has had such a rich history with and has played some of the finest matches you'll ever see. People will say that Nadal Djokovic final was the best final, uh, perhaps in Grand Slam history. I actually think Djokovic's win over Murray in the semifinals was more impressive. That's a take for a different time. But will we see him play this event again? It's a fascinating question. And it's one, it's probably a little too soon to ask, but it's in the back of the mind, right? Because if he doesn't, if he's not given an exemption here, just the resentment he will justifiably feel towards this event. Now, again, should a tennis tournament ever compromise public health, as we discussed in the podcast? No. And so that is an inevitable byproduct of this pandemic. These sorts of things sadly have, are going to happen. And again, I, I, final words to you. Any final thoughts? Well, it, just, it was also interesting to point out that this was an issue that didn't seem to affect his team. Goran yeah. Ivanišević and the rest of the, the team Djokovic were separated from him. They didn't appear to be under the same scrutiny. Now, whether that's because they were vaccinated, they filled out the right visa, or for whatever reason, it didn't seem that he was. They were given the same treatment, and it's it's interesting as to why. But yeah. It, Djokovic is very principled in, and people can take issues with his principles, but he tends to be very principled in terms of what he believes and how he sees the world. You know, this is someone who still feels, you know, bitterness about having to undergo necessary elbow surgery because he felt that he could cure the injury himself. And will he be all the more emboldened to remain unvaccinated, you know, representing a group of people who, um, who share that opinion and how those people will be emboldened by Djokovic's decision. This is a high profile athlete refusing to be vaccinated. And there are a lot of people out there who are looking, you know, for a hero, you know, for better or for worse. And that, 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 how that pans out will also be an interesting and maybe some, in some ways, disappointing development. You, you hope, as you said, I think the easiest way to solve this would be if Djokovic would undergo the, uh, the COVID-19 vaccine to look at the science and to do his research and see that, you know, the millions of people have, taken the vaccine, have suffered no side effects, and this would just clear up all of the red tape that prevents him from history. And does he want that um, that his, that his mantle uh, on under under his resume? If he doesn't, there are other players out there who are looking to, who are still playing and still active and looking to take it from him. So be quite the narrative if it's the pandemic that prevents any of these players from hitting 21 grand slams. That Djokovic, you know, again, his refusal to get vaccinated impacts not just this tournament, but perhaps other tournaments moving forward. And yeah, I, I would agree with your sentiment entirely. To answer some final questions in the chat, Rafa is playing no Federer as of right now. No Djokovic. Again, he's appealing the decision in Victorian court. We'll see how that appeal process goes. Certainly, we'll probably get David back. That means in 20 more minutes, we'll do a third outfit change just so we look that much more fresh. But Full discussion on everything surrounding this decision, where the HPWTA tours go from here as well. Available again, crackrackets.com, mini break podcast feed. Can read everything David's doing at tennis.com. It's at DK Tennis. Give me the honor. Where can we DKTNNS? That's DKTNNS. You can find all your memes and analyze and analysis on uh, on Twitter and Instagram. DKTNNS. I love it. Well, again, David, thank you so much. Be safe, be healthy. We'll talk more soon. See ya. <laughs>